Hey friends, it's Mitzi. I'm bringing you something special today. I'm calling it Bite-Sized Blessings, where I'll do a short episode to take you a little deeper inside something that came up in this week's interview. When you hear people tell their stories, the first thing that pops into your head is something you can relate to in your own life, a story, an experience, or maybe just a thought. But that connection that happens automatically is the spark of self-discovery. And self-discovery leads you to life lessons and builds self-esteem, confidence, compassion, gratitude, joy, and love in the most magical ways. This week with Dr. Walls, I thought about how growing up, I never believed there was anything, quote, wrong in my family. My family looked pretty darn ideal to me. I had phenomenal parents. My grandparents on my dad's side lived at the foot of my driveway, and I had an amazing relationship with my Nana and Pop-Up and all of my aunts and cousins. We did not have a lot of money, but we had so much creative energy and love that it made up for it in much more meaningful ways. We never were poor, and we never really lacked for anything. There was a lot of love, a lot of creativity and adventure. And it was just a wonderful upbringing, except for one thing. And I didn't realize this thing was an issue until I was in my 20s, working on my master's in psychology. My mom was so proud of my education, and she was such a wonderful mom. My mom was from England. She was born in 1945. That year should sound familiar because it was the end of World War II, and England got hammered in World War II. In Yorkshire, where she was born, life was hard for working folks, and she was born into a very lower-class, working-class family. The primary industry was coal, and working underground in the coal mines was a horrible, horrible job. I have been inside those mines, and it must have been a nightmare, which is why I found only after my mom died that her father had a breakdown and could not work in the mines anymore. He was a miner, and he was young when he did this, his late 20s and into his early 30s. My mom's mother was a maid. She worked in wealthy homes in the Yorkshire area. And after a series of very unfortunate events, my mother became an orphan at the age of only 11. She was separated from her brother, and sent to live with an aunt who she only ever described to me as mean. She met my father on a blind date when he was stationed in Harrogate in the army. She was very young, 19 or 20. She came to the USA on the Queen Mary with a single trunk full of her meager belongings, and we still have that trunk. She had me when she was 21. Although I asked her about her parents in England, my grandparents, and I asked her about her life there, I never got any answers. I never knew what happened to them. I never knew about her life as a little girl. I never realized she was an orphan so young because my mom spent all of her time when she was a child imagining what a great mom would look like. And I imagine she fantasized about what a good mother would do. She would have birthday parties for you. My mother never had a birthday party or received a gift until she met my dad. A good mother would hug and kiss her little girls. She would brush their hair and she would make them clothes. 
She would play music for them, and she would dance with them. She would bake, and she would paint pictures to hang in the house. She would teach them how to be kind and how to make cookies. She would drive them to school, and she would teach them how to make snow angels. And she would slice apples just the way you like them, super thin, like little wings. And my mother knew exactly what to do because no one ever did any of those things for her. And I miss her tremendously. But she died in 2001. And I know why she got sick. And it has to do with generational wounds and childhood trauma. This was the thing I never knew was a problem in my family until my professor, Jesse, asked us in class about our family history. This was during my master's degree. And I could not answer any questions about my maternal grandparents. And Jesse said to me, oh, well, there's something wrong there. I was shocked. Although I asked questions about my grandparents over the years, my mom never answered them. And we just had very little information about her life in England. She always brushed it off or said she didn't want to talk about it. So after a while, I just let it go. But in this class, I started thinking about it. And I realized that Jessie was right. My perfect family had a secret. My mother had a secret. She thought that by not talking about it, by pushing it down and repressing her terrible memories, that they would go away. She thought she was protecting us by not telling us about some pretty horrible events that she went through. So I told my mom about this assignment in class to write about my family history, and I asked her if she would tell me about her parents, finally. And she said yes, that she would. I was very nervous to ask her, but I came home to visit. And one day we were riding in the car and I asked, how did they die? What happened to them? And she told me that both of her parents died simultaneously in a bus accident. I asked her to tell me more and she said no. She said later on, we can talk about it another time. But she never did tell me anything more. And it wasn't until she died that I found a long-lost cousin of hers, and I began to piece together the truth. There was no bus accident for her parents. Their deaths were a lot more tragic than that. And at some point, I'll tell that story for you, my wonderful audience. But as I look back, I remember that I fantasized about what had happened to them because she wouldn't tell me. So I made up my own grisly stories about their death. And I, for years, was terrified of being murdered because I had convinced myself that my grandparents were killed by an attacker with a knife. But that wasn't true either. My mom didn't keep in touch with many people from England, from her old life. She wanted to leave that life completely behind her, and she never returned to her home country. She even eliminated her British accent completely. You would never have known she was from England if you'd met her. After she died, I got in touch with her brother, my uncle, and we received letters from him when we were little, so I knew he was around. He drew pictures all over these letters, and I remember a little Christmas tree drawing he sent one year, and he also sent us a box with some kilts that we wore. They were red plaid, but he and my mother did not keep in touch. They were kind of estranged. Also a sign, a red flag. He was a vicar. He lived in Wales, 
And we spoke on the phone once, and I asked him, what happened? He told me that some ghosts are better left alone. So like my mother, he would not tell me anything. In fact, he came to the U.S. not too long after to visit, and he would not see me. He was less than two hours away, and he did not want to have to talk to me, to answer to me. So we never met. Not long after that, he died. Ironically, he was hit by a bus. And long after, my mother told me that her parents had died in a bus accident, which was not true. My uncle actually did die in a bus accident. Very crazy. What I didn't know about my mother was the trauma she underwent as a child. I knew she grew up poor. I knew that her toes were deformed from having to wear shoes that were too small. But I didn't really know anything about what that did to her and why she thought it best to shield me and my sister from that knowledge. She wanted to be a great mother because she did not have one. And she was a great mother. Not a perfect mother, but a great mother. And I miss her tremendously. But she carried this trauma with her and she never expressed it. She repressed it and it came out even though she worked so hard to prevent it from doing so. It came into her life in the form of anxiety and then later a severe depression for which she had to be hospitalized. And then shortly after the depression, she was diagnosed with cancer, lung cancer, which was the cause of her death. When we hold trauma inside of us, it festers. And trauma causes physiological changes in the body. Trauma affects our genes and our cells. And it's very important to acknowledge trauma in your own life and in your parents' lives and even in your grandparents' lives and beyond that. Because those wounds carry through generation after generation. And I hope that by addressing my family's generational wounds, that I am going to be where it stops. I am going to break that cycle for the generations that come after me, my children, my grandchildren, and so on. Dr. Walls talks about this in her family. Her father, who had neurological pain in his legs, the loss of the baby, her sister in her family. And she acknowledges that these traumas were very likely a part of the reason why her father had the neurological pain and why she developed multiple sclerosis. I've spoken about my own health challenges over the past year and a half and the way that one morning in late June of 2022, I woke up with vertigo and I was flat on my back for months. I couldn't teach. I couldn't look at any of my screens or devices. I couldn't watch television. I couldn't read. I couldn't knit. I couldn't wear my glasses. I was afraid to drive. The most I could do was to take a walk. And it forced me to slow down. And through the healing process, I have been digging very deeply into the generational wounds in my family. 
and the perfect storm of events that caused me to wake up that morning with vertigo. And there were a lot more things. But specifically, I'm talking about my family wounds right now. That I had a lot of feelings and energy around the loss of my mother. I had not grieved her passing appropriately. I had lots of vibrational energy coming to me around my role as a mother as my children left the home and how that shifted being a daughter and a lot of things have come to the surface in my 50s and in this process of healing that are enabling me to be honest about my family and myself and to access a part of me that my mother was afraid to access in herself my true self. And this process will be ongoing. I know that it will never end and that as long as I allow it to take place, that I will be okay. And now that I know how to do it, I'm not afraid of it. And I know that nothing can touch me. You cannot heal any wounds that you are afraid to see. You have to take a look at the wounds in yourself and in the generations that came before you so that you can know how to treat those wounds and how to heal them. This is how you stay healthy and happy and grateful and how you're able to cultivate all of those higher level emotions because those are the things that will keep you in the place where you will not experience things like anxiety and depression and illness. It actually keeps you well to be brave enough to take a look at your story, engage in self-discovery and introspection, and to deal with those wounds that have presented themselves, not only in your life, but in the lives of your parents and grandparents. So when you are in the shower or driving in your car, or making your bed, or putting on your makeup, and something comes into your mind, a memory, maybe it's a difficult memory, or something that's festering in your own life, or maybe something you're thinking about that happened to one of your parents or your grandparents. When someone tells a story and it sparks a thought in your own mind, let it be there. Let it come. Don't push it away. Work with it. Tangle with it a bit. Write about it in a journal. Let the memories come in. Good memories, bad memories, and everything in between. Because as you consider your life and your experiences and the experiences of your parents and grandparents and even ancestors beyond that, you will discover the lessons that life has been trying to teach you. And that's what it's all about, guys. If you've gotten this far... I love you for listening, and if you like the way that I work, then consider joining my book club, where I take you through an intentional journey with self-development books to help you make those tools that you read about a part of your life so that you can learn and you can grow and make connections and uncover blind spots and examine your unconscious programming to make it conscious so that you can do life the way you have always known was possible. I'd love to know if my story or if Dr. Wall's story from this week's show has sparked anything in your own mind, in your own thoughts, 
Has it made you think about a story? Has it made you want to take a look at something? I really want to know if it's made an impact on you. So send me a DM on Instagram at Mitzi Ann Campbell. Make sure you're following me there. Or you can send me an email, hi at MitziCampbell.com. I honestly, genuinely would love to hear your thoughts. Have an amazing day. Thank you.